Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us tonight on Episode 26, Season 2 of The Standoff with Brad and Richie here on New Zealand Sport Radio. We're here live every Wednesday evening on Facebook throughout the season. Uh, Richie's running a bit late, so I've got Paul joining me um, for the start of the show. Evening, Paul. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I thought you were going to say it's not Brad and Richie at all. It's Brad and not Richie. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not turned up. <laughs> so I was going to I was going to talk to him about how it was another good weekend of football with um, a few great games and unfortunately a Warriors loss and what he thought of the rounds, but he's not here. So what did you think of the round that you didn't watch? <laughs> No, that's very true. I, I, I didn't watch it, so I didn't think much of it. Um, the uh, well, clearly I, against the I mean, of all the teams to lose, the Broncos seriously down in down in fourteenth place. That's a bit shocking, really, by the by the Warriors. I think. Um, and look, mathematically, they can still make the eight, but they've uh, they've, they've made it a little bit more harder to for, to them, haven't they? Um, oh yeah, it's that's the Warriors' way. And hey, Thomas, good to hear from you. Um, yeah, it's the Broncos team. Um, the Broncos team was, uh, it's better than it was, um, the team that got down there. Um, they almost beat the Rabbitohs, uh, not the Rabbitohs, almost beat the Roosters the week before, who are now a top four team. So, um, yeah, they're playing better than what their position is at the moment. And the Warriors, unfortunately, were just the team that had to face them when Anthony Milford decided to play for the first time in a couple of years. Um, Murphy's Law, but we'll cover that more when we get to the end. Um, so while we're here live on Wednesday evenings, 8 p.m., you can also catch our show on the podcast at your convenience on iHeartRadio. Just remember to search for New Zealand Sport Radio. As always, we're going to be covering everything you need to know in the week that was rugby league, including our top stories of the week, a review of the round 23 matches, and our picks. We'll then stop and answer some questions from all of you um, before going into a preview of round 24 and making our picks. And hopefully, time pending, um, do a quick recap of the Super League. I see Simon and Nigel um, are in. Hey, guys. And um, is Richard okay? He is. He's just late. Um, the, these Wellingtonians, they, um, they they work on their own clock down there. So um, <laughs> here, he, here I am. 
battling through having had my COVID jab today. COVID jab today, <laughs> and he's uh, and he can't even make it on. Jeez. Hey, Mark. It's yeah, hey, Mark. Um, so yeah, he'll he'll join us as soon as he can, I'm sure. Um, but we may as well just go straight into the top stories of the week, and um, I may as well just ramble on, and you can give me input um, where you see fit. <laughs> um, so I might go into some that are a bit more discussion-y that you might come to oh. um, go oh, with. Sorry. We've had um, we've got um, Josh Dugan um, got himself in a bit of strife for breaching COVID during the week. Um, he got caught with one of his mates um, doing doing a little bit of a, a drive around. Um, got caught, I think, twice on the same night driving around with the same mate. Um, it's uh, we haven't seen too much of it from the union boys who you follow, but what is your take with how everything is in Australia and New Zealand right now um, with people still deciding to breach COVID um, I, protocols? I, I mean, there was some excuses early on me, like I'm not quite sure what I'm exactly allowed to do or not allowed to do and this kind of stuff. But by now, you you know what you're allowed to do, what you're not. You're just stupid. I mean, it's like when you, when you see people around wearing masks and they don't cover their nose. It's like, hello, if you don't know by now how to wear a bloody mask, then you're really you're really in, in trouble, aren't you? Um, the uh, yeah, it's just stupid, isn't it? I mean, and then to get caught once and to continue and not go home is even yeah. more stupid. So yeah, it's the the kind of level. It's the, the problem is he's going to be one of these people who just is is, is is has got enough. Um, talent that people don't say no to him and that's yeah yeah. i i think his his nine lives are are slowly disappearing (laughs) see so as it doesn't even know yeah mates get you in trouble um yeah he's dugan's had quite a track record for not being the brightest um and unfortunately it just seems to be another one kind of goes on to my next two news stories too which is good um curtis scott has been um, released from the Raiders, effective immediately after um, constant off-field dramas. Um, we've covered it before, but um, earlier, uh, a, f- a few seasons back, he was basically put on suspension for assaulting a police officer. That came out that it wasn't the case. Um, with He was um, inebriated and sleeping under a tree, and he got pushed by the the cop to wake him up and he kind of pushed him back and that was what they deemed so he he got a he got passed with that one but he he had a bit of a skirmish in a bar a few months back and um it's basically just the the straw that broke the camel's back so i kind of put him in the same situation as dugan where there's a talented footballer but um there's just obviously personal demons i guess is probably the polite way to say it um that just keep getting in the way and um yeah it's not a good look and i know you love to harp on about the the intellect level of league players and um we keep trying no, to just, help you out you just, you just wonder at what point do do clubs realize that they have to basically get minders for the for the idiots that are on their teams right if they if they're too good not to not to drop them then find someone who who looks after them so, that, so they don't get in trouble i mean Apparently, Aerosmith, when they uh, signed one one of their um, uh, a, a record deal, part of the record deal was they had a minder that basically made sure they didn't take too many drugs and got to bed on time, or vaguely on time. And he gave them enough of a of a leash to to enjoy themselves, but basically kept them 
from basically from yeah, say taking too many drugs and killing themselves. Uh, they come and need. It sounds like they need a couple of minders like that looking after some of these um, league boys um, and just say, well, if you want this contract, then this guy basically follows you around twenty four seven so that you don't do stupid things. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, Simon might be able to comment as a Raiders fan. Um, how big a loss is Curtis Scott? Do you think um, Simon to the the Raiders? I think they kind of dodged a bullet. I think he's he's too much hassle for what he delivers, in my opinion. But I'm not a Raiders fan, so um, I'll, I'll leave that for you to answer. So Simon does make the point that Ali Williams is supposed to be James O'Connor's minder in Paris and in the yeah, that basement that Ali Williams I, bought, bought the bought the drugs for uh, James O'Connor who stood outside the car <laughs> I, I don't know if you ever want Ali Williams to be a minder of anyone I feel like he needs a minder himself um but that will take me to the the last of my little news stories about um leaguees acting out um Adam Elliott from the Bulldogs um was caught in the toilets with NRLW star Millie Boyle um, not the first time he's been in strife, um, particularly with teammates, partners. Um, this was really a question for Richie, um, so I don't know how you're going to answer it, but is uh, Curtis Scott punishment in terms of him getting his contract ripped up on the cards um, after like three or four of these misdemeanors? Um, so I guess that goes back to your mind, like how, how far can you go? Well, yeah, exactly. And, and look, I think as soon as you start um, upsetting the team environment, which sleeping with teammates, wives is going to do so, then you've gone too far, um, really. Uh, so that's um, that, that's that, that's going to be a problem. I, I don't know the, the, the marital status of, the, of the, the lady he was caught with this time and what his status is. But, um, um, I don't know his status, but I believe she is um, a single um but yeah it, it's um it, it sounds like they were just doing a, a bit of kissy kissy face in the restrooms so they would uh, get away from the team um but yeah look, it's if they're both single fine I, no, nothing wrong yeah. with it but um uh but yeah other if, if, if you're disrupting the 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 environment of the team by with with, with teammate, other teammates wives you're gone straight away yeah you, yeah. you can't have that 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 disharmony there um, Simon's come back to you about the camera player. Yeah, so Simon said he's a problem player, but the problem is Canberra have a struggle attracting players into the area. Yeah, that's true. They do struggle. Um, but yeah, I think that I think they did themselves a great service when they got rid of players like Josh Dugan all those years ago and Blake Ferguson. They saw problem players. Um and got rid of them as such so it might be the case they they might not find the the best players on the planet but find ones that fit with what you want to do and fit the um the direction you want your club to be in um i think is probably the best way of saying it there it's um yeah if you have one or two bad players in there that spoil the apple cart it just um yeah, and, and you forgot Tokani. Tokani was a problem child that they had to get rid of as well. Um, so just all these uh, Australian boys. I don't know what's going on. Um, as Simon said, yeah, yeah. you make that point there. It's about what what do you want the team to be like? Uh, and yeah, the yeah. Bulldogs apparently was was a family club, and then it sort of descended into not being a family club. Um, 
but yeah, you, you, you find out what is your culture uh, and that's what you run with, um, basically. So, yeah, that's, that, 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 and that's what camera would decide. Is, is, is their culture going to be bad boys off the, uh, on and off the pitch? Well, hey, that, that can work sometimes for some teams. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, two, they kind of go with the Broncos. So at the moment, Alex Glenn has announced his retirement at the end of the season. He's um, been a great player for the Broncos for many years. So um, I don't really have too much to add to that yet. But um, just good luck to him wherever he wants to go on to. And the next bit was a bit of a talking point. You can jump in on this one, I think. Um, but the Broncos are rumoured to be interested in luring Reese Walsh back to the club. Um, I've read the articles. There was a million articles that came out. Um, and um, it was basically um, they've said when he is off contract with the Warriors, they'd like to bring him back. And I kind of thought it was no shit Sherlock. I think when he comes off contract, there's going to be more than just the Warriors and Broncos interested <laughs> in him. So I put it down as rubbish journalism. And I, I think Richie's here now, so we can ask him as well um, what he thinks of that. If it is rubbish journalism and just speculation um, or just something that everyone knows. To me, uh, clickbait, as you say, everyone knows <laughs> that, yeah, he is going to be in demand. Um, so, evening, Richie. How are you doing? Good. It's rubbish journalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, what I mean by rubbish journalism is the clickbaity thing. It's um, kind of we all know that the Broncos will want to have a go at getting him. I know they had some thoughts in there about potentially getting him out of his contract early. I don't see the Warriors being – I know the Warriors have let players go early, but I don't think he's one that they're going to do. And I can't speak for Reese himself. Honestly, he's got my, my number blocked, but um, I don't know how I'd feel about wanting to go back to a club that was willing to let me go in the first place. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You never know as his childhood club and uh, the, the club he's been, you know, um, He's grown up in Queensland, and that's the club he's loved and supported his whole life. So, but the, we're the club that's giving him his NRL start. And if you're a fanboys like us and and um, drool over his Instagram like I do, uh, you can see he looks pretty happy, and he's made some good friends here. Yeah, I think he, he's got quite a nice little bromance starting with Chanel. So, he does. Um, Twins. I think that, and um, the chance to play with Sean Johnson, I think. If, if they start humming, like if when Sean um, arrives next year, if they start playing really well together, I don't see him wanting to leave. But we don't know till it happens, and he'll be he'll be on. Um, yeah, and yeah, like Paul said in the background, if it's his childhood team, then it'll come up every time his contract is being discussed, um, and it will. Um, I think they'll always the Warriors will have to fight to keep him. Um, like many of those big name players or those potential superstars, everyone wants to to nab them. So you you have to fight to keep them. Um, so yeah, I they've still got a bit of money in the cap when that time comes around. So I think they will be okay, and all they can do is um, make the environment as good good as it is, um, make it um, as enjoyable, make it successful. 
and then um, hopefully you keep hold of him. Um, but before I go on to the rest of the news, while you were, you know, dicking around and not turning up on time, um, I covered with Paul, we'll, I, we won't go into it in too depth, but I was just talking about Josh Dugan, Curtis Scott, and Adam Elliott's off-field dramas this week. The Naughty Boys. And, um, the Naughty Boys, just um, while, while we're um, waiting for everyone to catch up, just your thoughts. Do you, you want me to... Yeah, I'll give you my thoughts. Uh, all three of those guys, not their first rodeo, is it? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Uh, and I've seen Curtis Scott put out a Instagram post uh, basically saying he well, he doesn't feel like he's been treated very well and he's gone to the club citing mental health issues and feels like the club sort of ha- hasn't done him, doesn't, hasn't done him any favours, but with a track record like him and... and also, Dugan, I mean, how many times have we seen Dugan do things that, you know, uh, things that, that his club would frown upon? So, um, and Adam Elliott, this, yeah, he, he <laughs> if it's not, if it's not somebody in his teammate that he's, uh, in his team that he's, you know, there's been rumours of him doing things with teammates, uh, wives, and, and now this, you know, at, at a restaurant with with one of the players from one of the um, women's league, I believe. Um, yeah, Millie, yeah, Millie Boyle. It's not. Yeah, it's no surprise that it's these guys are popping up again. They they've got track records. So, yeah, yeah. So just just more running the the rugby the game of rugby league, bringing bringing it into disrepute and giving it its fine reputation. It's. It is something that they are very good at doing, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, then I've got some more little news. We've got um, rumours swirling. It's it's pure speculation right now, but the new Brisbane club, when they finally get announced, um, have been there's been rumours that they'll be throwing big money at Cameron Munster to be their marquee signing. Um, Cameron Munster's kind of always said he would like to go back to Brisbane. It's where he's from. Um, so it's no big surprise. But I guess, would he be the player as a marquee, like a new club, the marquee player you would want to bring in? If you could kind of pick anyone to take a stab at, would it be Munster? If you're looking at somebody who's realistic, yeah. I mean, he's probably a realistic um, target. I mean, he's already done good things in Melbourne, won premierships and, and you know, he's he, he he's still one of the top players in the game. He might not not he's had patches this year where he's been a bit quiet and, and, and origin he was a bit quiet, but he's really coming into his own the last few weeks for sure. And um on his day as good as anybody. So um if you're looking for somebody to build a club around, uh he'd be a, a good realistic target for them. Yeah, and um, yeah, we've got we've got quite some time before they actually announce who who the Brisbane team will actually be. So we'll keep our ears to the ground on that. But yeah, I kind of agree with you there. I think um, I think the key thing you said there was realistic. Um, yeah, it's not like you're going to be able to go and say Nathan Cleary, we want you. Yeah, um, you know, a guy like Cleary wouldn't be jumping. Um, so I think out of everyone, the fact that he is a guy that wants to go back to Brisbane kind of helps. And, um, yeah, so it's no surprise. And I, I still feel like when Craig Bellamy 
finally hangs up his whistle, um, you'll probably see a lot of those players kind of shift away from the storm. I feel like um, he's kind of that glue. And once he's not there, they might feel like they'll go out on their own. And um, Simon's agreed saying Cameron Munster would be a great signing for the new Brisbane team. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so the last little bits of news I've got there, kind of quick. Um, Adam Dewey has a partial ACL tear and will miss the final two games of the season for the Tigers, which is a massive loss for the Tigers. Um, Jaden Campbell from the Titans has re-signed uh, until the end of 2024. Um, mm. Great news for them. He, he's a great little talent, and there were a lot of clubs sniffing around um, his contract status to try to lure him away. Um, I feel that he wouldn't have left the Titans anyway due to the connection um, his dad had there. So I feel like they were in the driver's seat to make sure they got him, but it's all signed, sealed, and delivered now. So great news for the Titans. And the last bit, Leeson Armel um, has announced that he's not intending to retire at the end of the season and is looking for a new club next year um, as the Warriors haven't offered him a contract. Would you, Do you see many teams interested in signing him with the way the game has changed? Um, I feel like he's kind of the old... Um, mold of front rower that's kind of falling out with how the new game is played yeah perhaps you're right i know the game is moving towards a more mobile sort of uh, mobile forward that that you know is a bit quicker on the feet perhaps to suit the speed of the game but uh for me leeson still has a bit to offer you know whenever he's um had minutes this year and, and the whole first portion of the season he had minutes off the bench and, and his defense is still right up there if you look at his stats he, he makes he makes plenty of tackles for the minutes he plays and also very few misses so yeah you know I don't think the speed of the game's troubling him in, the, in that aspect you know he might not be a big meter reader like um and Fanua Blake or a Payne Haas but um I think he still has a fair bit to offer whether that's here or in the Super League, that's remains remains to be seen. Yeah, he's um, up until last year where it was stop start and he left to go back to New Zealand early. Um, he was averaging um, 100 metres a game. Yeah. Um, not not only for the Warriors, um, but for the other teams he was playing for as well with the Cowboys and the Dragons. So um, you know what you're going to get from him, which mm. I think is, um, is handy and... Um, Mark's put here, Broncos probably the only team. And, yeah, I, I think he could do them, um, do quite well there if you had um, him him and Payne Haas there to help set a platform um, for Adam Reynolds. I think that that's potentially a good spot for him. Um, hopefully someone does pick him up. Um, I don't like seeing players wanting to play on and just have everyone say we're not interested and then they kind mm. of fall away. Um, I'd rather I like seeing players go out on their own terms because unfortunately it is quite rare um, for every player to be able to go out the way they want to go. So I have my fingers crossed for him that he he gets a new club next year. Um, yeah. but that's really all the news I had there. So we may as well go straight into the round three review. Um, Sounds good. Starting with the Storm defeating the Titans thirty four to twenty. The 19th row, win in a row for the Storm, um, which sees them equal the all-time record with, I believe it's the 1975 Eastern Suburbs team. Um, so a great, great effort from them there. Um, Absolutely. 
what did you think of this game before I, I keep waffling on? Well, watching at this point of the week, I was watching it very much with my, um, you know, with my Warriors fan glasses on, seeing what implications it would have on us. Yeah. And um, the Titans had me worried there for a while. You know, they made a nice start, and uh, ex-Warrior Paddy Herbert um, causing some havoc down the right-hand side there. He put a lovely fend on the um, Storm Center to, 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 you know, set up some play in the corner for, for their opening points and and they they look very threatening and i thought jaden campbell looked looked threatening whenever yeah. he sort of came into the game um but it's the melbourne storm you know <laughs> the longer i went on the 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 more i thought yeah they're coming into this game they're coming into this game they clawed their way back and eventually found their way to win um as they do you know even if they're not uh putting teams to the sword they they can arm wrestle as well yeah, and they they rested um, they rested a few players I think as well yeah. um, the storm, um, but yeah they um, it was the first time since round eight that Melbourne were trailing at halftime. Um, yeah, that was against the Sharks, and just like the Sharks game um, after after halftime they clicked into gear and just started piling on points, and so it's um, I guess. Uh, the storm just know how to win, but I guess mm-hmm. it shows you that it doesn't matter if they're behind. Um, they're always going to take it, um, take it on themselves to get the job done. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, Mark said in the average first half from the storm. Yeah, um, I agree. the The first half wasn't great from them, but they're that type of team that once they decide that it's time to play, they are mm-hmm. hard to stop. Which is what we saw here. They um, Cameron Munster, I thought, stood out in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think Ryan he played quite well for the first time since his injury. I think um, Cam Munster did step up really well, and I think, I think too. Let's not forget Storm were missing um, Jerome Hughes, um, so so Cam Munster took it upon himself in that second half. But yeah, Jerome Hughes. I think that shows that Jerome Hughes does play a big part in in the um, Storm attack. He's really come a long way this year in the last couple of years. Yeah, and from the Titans aspect, um, they had this game in reach, but I think they just made too many um, silly errors, which is probably going to be a theme throughout the rest of this review um, yeah. for the other games. But um, against a team like the Storm, you can't give up easy ball. Um, it's kind of cliche because it sounds so simple. Um, if you give up ball against a really good team, you're going to be in trouble. But um, I think not only Herbert and Campbell, um, Greg Marsu, which I always get his name wrong, I thought he was strong again, and it's actually come up at the same time because Mark's in my head. So um, we'll go with Mark's comment and what I was about to say. But Fafita was too quiet. Um, mm. I think he he's a bully. Um, he'll go out there and look like... Um, a John Olomu-like player running over everybody when you're playing like the little, little teams and when you go up against these top-tier guys where he should be um, proving what he's worth, he disappears, mm. um, which yeah, Mark, we won't go too far into it. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, it. Mark, Mark's um, reading our minds. Yeah, I've got a, I, I was going to say I was going to talk to Brad a little bit about Fafita later on, so Mark's yeah, reading so, our minds there. 
we'll stop the Fafita talk there. But Simon said, <laughs> I think I was wrong about what I thought at the start of the year when I thought the Titans would make the eight. I don't think it's likely to happen. Yeah, yeah. at the start of the year, I had Titans and Warriors hitting that seven and eight mark with teams like the Knights and Sharks falling out. So I was off the mark too. I um, put too much emphasis on what David Fafita would bring to the team. And he has proven me wrong, um, which is an ongoing trend on this show. So um, it's good to see. I still don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but before we move on to the Raiders Seagulls game, anything else you want to add about the Storm Titans? No, not not really. It's It kind of went the way I expected. I don't know about you, Brad, but um, I thought the Titans actually put up more of a fight than... I thought they would, but it's probably down to Jerome Hughes being out. So they lost a pretty vital cog in their spine there, um, which, you know, maybe took away some of the Storm's fluidity. Yeah, it went how I thought too. Um, I was so close. I was like this close to getting um, a third week in a row going eight from eight with my picks. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But, um, yeah, I expected this one. And just like I expected the next game um, with Manly defeating the Raiders, um, must say after we made our picks and we picked Manly, when Tommy Turbo um, was ruled out, I was really worried. <laughs> yeah, can you say that word again, Richie? I'm a real wordsmith, Paul. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I keep throwing out big words, um, probably off air more than on air, you know, I, just being humble. um but yeah without tommy turbo i was really concerned about um manly doing doing well here but they held firm a bit like the the melbourne approach where they kind of knew what they needed to do and they got the job done um but the raiders look better in the first half as i've said many times this year they were leading 12 nil at the break and i was really concerned and then I'd say it might be like the sixth or seventh game this year where they've had a, a double-digit lead and let it slip, um, which is a, yeah. a huge concern for the Raiders. Um, manly side of things, Ruben Garrick was strong yet again. Um, he got a hat-trick. Um, and, yeah, I think the only highlight I had really for the Raiders was Chance. I think um, Chance looked good. Um, coming off the bench, he he scored in the final minute to give them a chance. Um, a they chance. were their only, yeah. See what I did there? Um, <laughs> two. Um, and yeah, he got them to within the one because of a field goal that Dale Cherry Evans had done earlier. Um, and then they went for a, a two point field goal and missed. Not the last time this week we're going to talk about that. But um, I thought it was a good game to watch. Um, I I didn't expect the Raiders to to do well, but um, I feel like they let themselves down with the kicking game. Um, they just couldn't keep the pressure on Manly. I think if their kicking was a bit more fluid, I think there was three or four times they um, kicked too deep and gave Manly seven tackle sets. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Moses Sully um, was massive. He ran for 200 metres, I believe mm-hmm. it was. But after he, he was rewarded for that awesome um, awesome performance by being dropped this week. So um, that that's always good to know that you can um, play the game of your life and then get told, oh, well, um, the guy you replaced is back, um, yeah. so you're gone. 
um, which is disappointing for him. I know he's been frust frustrated. And Simon's also said that's why some people call the Raiders the faders. Yeah, it's a worrying trend for them. Um, mm. And Mark's also said he loves Manly's two-edge back rowers and um, Schuster and Richard. Do you want to say the other name? Olakowatu. Um, Here we go. Yeah, I, I was going to talk about him too because he was huge and he had a try taken off him in the first half, which I thought was a try, but then he got one back in the second half. But he was huge and he has been huge most of the year. So uh, good signs for Manly's um, for, um, forward pack with him. Um, yeah, and Schuster's yeah. been impressive this year. Um, he has. All the time too. I, I feel like he he has been great every game he's played and unfortunately he got injured so he missed some games mm. but um yeah they've just got danger dangerous players all over the place and it's good to see them starting to win games without tommy turbo i think they said this was like the fourth game this year they've won without him when mm. you go back to the start of the year it was basically if tommy wasn't playing they weren't winning so um they're not going to go out there and put 50 60 points like they do when he's out there but as long as you're coming back with a victory, um, especially at the back end of the season, um, I think it, it's good for them. And they're still, they're still a smoky for me to go all the way, um, especially with Tommy coming back this week. Um, but that takes us to the last game on Friday, which was the Panthers defeating the Rabbitohs. This was the only game we had different this week. Um, it was looking good for me. You foolishly thought the Rabbitohs <laughs> were going to beat the Panthers here. Um the, the Rabbits scored all their points from this game in the first 22 minutes of the game and, mm. yes, had me worried. And I'm sure mm. I had you sitting there quite confident that you were going to edge one back on me. Yeah, I was um, crying. But then the Panthers kicked into gear um, and they scored 25 unanswered points to um, get the win. I think the difference here was Nathan Cleary once again. I think his kicking mm. game was on point. Um he makes such a difference to this Panthers attack. And he was really punishing his old teammate, um, Josh Mansell, with bombs all night until yeah. Mansell went off injured, unfortunately. Um, but Paul Momorowski, I think, played quite well for them. He got switched oh, man. out to the wing. And I think he he really um, stood up once he got moved out to the wing. Um, but it was kind of all the switch. Dylan Edwards went off with a head knock. Yeah. You saw Crichton go back to fullback. And I think it, it elevated Crichton as well. And, um, yeah, I think the Panthers are still off pace compared to uh, the likes of Melbourne, um, but they're building at the right time. Instead of last year where we saw they were kind of steamrolling to the finals, now they're kind of they're getting these tougher matches, um, which I think is going to be better for them long term when they get into the, uh, the nitty-gritty of playoffs football. They might be a bit more hardened to it compared to last year. Um, I still don't have them picked to win it, but um, they're looking good. And yeah, the Rabbitohs, I thought they just started well and then couldn't keep up with Penrith. Uh, Reynolds nailed a hell of a 40-20. Um, it was kind of what you saw everywhere in replays. It was a very good kick. Um, and before I let you go on, we may as well address the elephant in the room about the penalty count. Uh, the Rabbits oh, from the you. back of yeah. a... 11-2 penalty count. Um, it's received a lot of attention, and I thought they were hard done by um, in some cases. And <laughs> it's not a thug life thing, Paul. It's not thugs. Um, yeah, and I, I think it took some of the sheen off the match. I think um, some people look back at it and go, well, the Panthers 
only looked as good as they did because they were helped by the refs. But I'm not going to go as far and say the ref cost the Rabbitohs the match, but they didn't help. So um, I know you're going to defend the Rabbitohs here because you picked them. So you you tell me why the refs screwed them out of this, Richie. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up, Brad, because if you didn't know I was going to, and that would have just made me look like I was sour grapes about my pick being wrong. But yeah, um, I believe it was Mr. Grant Atkins. He wasn't he wasn't the kindest to the Rabbitohs and was calling a few really nitpicky uh, penalties. I don't think it was just him. I think the bunker was intervening on a couple of those as well. So it's a really yeah, weird one. Um, I, you can't tell me that they were that much more ill-disciplined than, than the Panthers. But, no, yeah, it didn't appear to me anyway. I think some of those look pretty nitpicky. But um, credit to the Panthers. Uh, you brought him up, Momorowski, set up a couple of wonderful tries off couple of really, really flashy kicks. Um, yeah. Uh, Crichton, once he moved back to fullback, looked really dangerous. And, and Cleary in his second game back, he looks like he's just um, starting to get back into things. So it all bodes well for the Panthers. But for the Rabbitohs, I don't think it did their chances any harm. You know, the last time they played a team up this high on the ladder, they, you know, it didn't go too well for them. And I think yeah. you take you take away that penalty count and they've really um you know, I think they didn't do they didn't do their um finals chances any harm in my eyes. I think if they yeah. if they meet a team like this if they meet a team like this in the finals and and you know, have a even share of the ball and, and you know, that the ref's not penalizing them out of the game, I think that they can beat anybody on their day. Yeah, definitely. When you think uh, earlier in the season where these two teams played each other, they got 50 points put on them by the Panthers. So yep. um, it's shown how much better they've um, they've gotten um, now that they seem to be in sync. And yeah, I once you get into that that finals footy and, and it's the one off um, one off games, it's I think that they they'll be primed to swoop. Um, yeah have a bit more of an even penalty count and they could easily, I don't want to say upset, but I guess you can because it's the Panthers, like it's one of the top two teams. So if they beat them in the finals, it would be classed as an upset. Mm. But I also wouldn't be surprised. That's why um, I really only have Melbourne, um, Melbourne, Penrith, Rabbitohs and Manly as ones that potentially could win the competition. They're the only four teams um, because I can see the Rabbitohs or Manly on their day in a one-off game beating um, Melbourne or Penrith in like a, a semi-type scenario. So, yeah, I, I think they they would have learned a lot from, um, from this game. And um, next time they face each other, I think it will be a lot more competitive. Um, but on the opposite side of competitive, we had the first game on Saturday, which was the Sharks wiping the floor. With the Tigers, 50 to 20. Um, not really much to say, I think, with this game. Um, Sharks had nine tries to the Tigers' four. Um, Renato Mulatalo scored a double, was on the way to scoring a hat-trick before he, he gave the ball up um, yeah, he did. To, to Luke Metcalf to get Luke Metcalf's first try in the NRL. Um, unfortunately, he suffered a broken jaw, um, which is, I believe they've confirmed that it's ruled him out for the rest of the season. Yeah, which is a huge blow for the Sharks. Um, but yeah, 
I think that the Sharks look dangerous at times. There's that asterisk, though, because they were playing the Cowboy, uh, the Tigers, sorry, who um, struggle at the best of times. And the only highlight I had, uh, so Mark's commented, what a bludger of a game. It was. Um, it was probably one of the least enjoyable ones to watch. Um, and the only thing I could really say for the Tigers is they attempted a comeback where they scored three tries in 10 minutes, including another try to Ken Mamalo. Um, but they just couldn't build momentum on the back of that and just fell back into sitting under the goalposts as the Sharks scored tries. So um, that's all I really had to say. It was kind of a, not a great performance um, by the Tigers and a performance that the Sharks should have done against a team like the Tigers. What did you think about it? You summed it up pretty well, Brad. I I didn't think they'd that's go up. Put... Yeah, I know. You, you leave me with very little to say. <laughs> I just need to turn up and add my five cents. It's great. But, um, yeah, I didn't think the Tigers would get put to the sword that badly with their season. You know, it was hanging by a thread, but it was still on the line. They, they still had that mathematical chance like we did. Um but yeah, it just sums up the Tigers' season for me. You know, everything's on the line, and they get fifty put on them. Um, I thought Will Kennedy was really good again. I think he's been fantastic for them all year for the Sharks. Yeah, um, and the the young fellas in the team too that you mentioned, Luke Metcalf and Braden Trindle, had a really good game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, this summing up this game just how poor the shark, um, Tigers were. Um, you know. If, if they still had a mathematical chance, I think that's well and truly put to bed now. I think uh, they'll be lucky to get their favourite ninth. Yeah. Um, yeah, disappointing um, for them and their fans. And, yeah, the Tigers, Doco, um, it is going to be interesting. It, it's really not the best season for the Tigers to have people following them because they haven't been that great. They've, they've had their glimpses where they've been competitive or they've got an upset win. But a lot of the time, it's been heavy defeats. Um, so, yeah, not the best time to be following them around, but it will be interesting watching it um, to see see how how many times Maguire can break the record for F-bombs on television. Um, but, but yeah, um, it's like listening to, to me watching a Warriors game at home. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> that takes us to the next game on... Um, Saturday, which was the Knights defeating the Bulldogs 22-16. Um, another, another close match here. Um, not really used to seeing it, but the Bulldogs are, are trying to fight here, which is good to see um, for Bulldogs fans. Um, but I thought Jake Clifford had probably his best outing in a Knights jersey since jumping mid-season. He, he scored yeah. a try, set up two others, and it was a win that should cement the Knights a top eight spot. Um, yep. And, yeah, I think the difference was um, the combination of Clifford and Mitchell Pierce, that their halves combination really set the platform for the back line. And that was really the difference here. The, the Bulldogs continue to look like they have no direction at all. Mm. Um, they're kind of a similar situation to what we've seen with the Warriors, where it seems like the halves change every week. Um, so there's really not um, a time to build a partnership. And I think it hurts them. Um, and just like I said earlier with the Titans, the Bulldogs let themselves down with errors. Um, they made five errors in the first half, including a bond try. And um, they did start the second half better, but um, the Knights just had too much class in comparison. Um, mm. But 
if I want to put an Optimus hat on, which I have to do so often as a Warriors fan, um, if the Bulldogs can keep this level of effort that they showed in this game, um, combined with the new signings they have next year, they should definitely find themselves out of wooden spoon contention. Um, I'm not ready to say they're a top eight side by any means, but um, I definitely think they should be out of that bottom two that they've kind of seen themselves in for, it feels like the last, I don't know accurately how many, but it feels like years now. Um, mm. So what did you think this about this game? Um, again, Brad, summed up beautifully, yeah. but... Um... I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you start the next one so you can actually talk. <laughs> no, you're all good, mate. Um yeah, I don't think this performance from the Knights will have too many. Uh, that's four on the bounce for them, four on the trot. So yeah. that's positive. And now they're um, all, all but home and host to take out seventh or eighth because I think they've they're you know they're sitting in seventh now, I believe, and they've got a couple yeah. points lead over over eighth. But yeah. I don't think this is going to have too many people teams. There you go. Yeah, so they are. Easy. They're two, two points ahead of Cronulla. I think it's two or four. I can't quite make that up. Anyway, it's, what I'm trying to say is I don't think they're going to have too many teams in the top eight shaking their boots. It's four. It's, it's four. four. Yeah. So they do have a couple of wins spread there. But they're not. I don't think they're going to have too many teams in the top eight worried come final times, come no. finals time, pl- playing the Bulldogs. And they didn't, you know, they got the job done, but it was shaky there at times. Um I thought Mitch Barnett for the Knights was really good, and he set up a highlight reel try scooping a, a ball back from what looked like it was going to go dead, and he scooped it back for Saifidi to score. And But he's all effort, and he, he sort of, you know, he's a workhorse for them and makes a big difference. Um, but I didn't think the the Knights looked, you know, they didn't, not just this game, but they haven't looked like a team that's going to go deep. Um and the Bulldogs, like you say, they, they put in an effort. They scored a lovely try through Jaden Ockenbaugh, which you, you catch that one, Brad, or stuff. Yeah. He grounded it just before the dead ball line off the kick, and I think that was one of the nice nicer put-downs of the year. But um, So Mark's saying they're going to play Para week one of the finals. Okay, so Para's not exactly scaring a lot of people at the moment anyway. It might actually be a good game. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they, they could win that one. Yeah. Um... We're going to talk about the Eels in the next game. But, um, yeah. yeah, they could win that one. So they, they might do do okay there. But I see them as a one or two and out. Um, mm. Two two games at the most. Um, but, yeah, not not that great. Um, but they did what they needed to do to win, which is all you need to do right now. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of teams out there um that would have preferred a, a, a narrow win over a, a loss any day of the week. Um, mm-hmm. But that takes us to the next game on Saturday, which was the Eels defeating the Cowboys 32-16. The floor is yours. Go on, you, you talk about it. It's it's almost um, a carbon copy of the <laughs> last game <laughs> I'll, I'll, in the way I'm going to sum this one up. So Para really, and I think we said it last week on last week's show that Para will be counting their blessings that they were coming up against the Cowboys um, because, you know, they, they were on a bit of a skid and, and lost a few games on the trot after looking like a top 14 for the most of the year. Um, so they really needed a, a win to get back on track. And luckily for them, they came up against the Cowboys and they got off to a nice start, the Eels, you know, bouncing out to a lead. But 
again, they didn't set the world on fire, and I don't think they're going to have a lot of teams shaking in their boots. Um, they just through errors and and just inaccurate play at times, and and just phasing in and out of the game, they let the Cowboys stay in it um, pretty much right until near the end of the game. I think almost the 74th, 75th minute, and then Dylan Brown finally scored to put it out of reach. So um, yeah. they did what they needed to do to get one back in the win column. But just like the Knights, I don't think you know they're worrying anybody in the top four or five with that. Um, what no. do you think, Brad? Yeah, um, I thought... Yeah, it's, it's going to sound very um, disrespectful to the Cowboys, but... Um... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. They, the Eels did win by a decent margin, but I expected more out of them. Um, yep. I, yeah, I expected a bigger score um, against the Cowboys because the, this is the Cowboys' 10th loss in a row. Mm. Um, lose, losing is habit forming and I feel like Cowboys right now would struggle to beat their reserve grade team because they're just so poor it's horrible to see um, I was very upset when Todd Payton um, left the Warriors to go and coach the Cowboys but I was hoping that he would get a good performance out of the Cowboys who have been struggling in recent times and um, I don't I don't know what um, he can really do to fix them. And I'm actually worried about the Cowboys next season. Um, I think they're a wooden spoon contender and I so haven't I. seen enough. I haven't seen enough positives out of Chad Townsend this year to believe that he will write the ship for them. Um, they've got a winner with Peter Hicku. Um, I think Peter Hicku will be able to do some, some magic for them like he's done for the Warriors, but I don't, yeah, I, I don't think their halves are going to be um, good enough. I don't think Chad and um, Dearden will do um, enough. And I saw Paul said, are the Eels hiding their special finals moves? No, they they are just rubbish. They, they have been protected by a soft early run. Um, they had some very easy games against some struggling teams early on, which has kind of elevated them to a status that they don't really deserve. They're falling back to where they would be um, right now. They're kind of, but like the Dragons are settling outside of the eight where they should have been. The Eels are, are heading towards the bottom of the eight where they should be. And um, they have lost Mike Ocevo, uh, mm. which is a big blow for them. I, I'm going to sound very, I, I don't want to say offensive to Mike Ocevo, but I don't know how a strong runner like him is as soft as he is. 
every time he runs it back, it looks like he gets hurt. And um, Don't yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to offend um, <laughs> any Mike Osivo fans out there, but you see it with like your your Ken Mamalos, um, even with looking at the Warriors with Dylan Watini, Zesniak, and Marcelo Montoya. These guys are running off the back fence as hard as they can to give their team a good start. Every time he does that, he's rolling around on the ground, and that negates any momentum that his team has got from his hit-up. And um, I don't know if he's trying to flub a penalty or if he's just literally made out of glass. Um, he has been known to milk a penalty. Exactly. So um, he kind of needs to get out of that mindset. And um, if he's going to do a big run, um, run it hard, get up quickly, play the ball, and let your team build momentum. But on note, Klaassen needs to step up. Um, I know yeah. we there's, his form has dropped off off the side of a cliff since he started negotiating a new deal. Um, I don't know what he needs to do, but he needs to just step up and prove that he is worth the money he's reportedly asking for. Um but yeah, so it sounds like we're coming on very hard on a team that actually won here. Um, but yeah, not really much more I can say about it. I don't think the Eels have got any chance of going anywhere in the finals and the Cowboys need to um, do some serious work. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that takes us to the first game on Sunday with the Roosters defeating the Dragons 40-22. to Um it's another big win here, but I'm going to admit that I was surprised the Dragons actually managed to score four tries here. I, I expected this to be a, a one-sided affair, and it basically was, but I think that's my Dragons bias coming out. Um, I don't know what's happened to make me dislike the Dragons so much. Um, it's normally manly, and I'm all for manly at the moment. It's a strange world we live in. Um, for the Roosters, though, I thought James Tedesco had another blinder. He ran for 300 yep. metres and set up four tries. Um, Roosters led 14-0, um, but the Dragons got themselves into the contest scoring three tries. Um, but then after that, the Roosters just started piling on the points. And after this win, they're now in the top four, four now. Um, it's, um, yeah, again, the Roosters suffered more injuries, shouldn't shouldn't laugh. Um, they've lost Adam Kieran, Dale Copley, and Nat Butcher at least for this week. Um, to add, um, I think I think I saw somewhere on social media someone did an injured thirteen versus starting thirteen for the Roosters, yeah, I saw that. and it looks like quite a competitive game. Um, but yeah, the Dragons, I think they showed glimpses of what they can do on attack. I think Jaden Sullivan um, did quite well. He had to go into play hooker, which he's not normally accustomed to, um, and he he offered some spark, which is something the Dragons really need. Um, but the Dragons, in all honesty, just aren't good enough to compete against a top six side. I say top six because the Roosters, I still, I'm not sure if they're going to be a top four team for very long. Um, but yeah, and um, but the Roosters, 100% full credit needs to go to them for currently sitting in the top four with all the injuries they have. Mm. Um, what did you think? Good. Um, yeah, the Dragons, they. I think they're going to be a lot better next year once you add in Jaden Sewer and George Burgess, and they've got a couple what more big forwards there. What no, is Brad shaking his head because he, no, no, I don't what think so, Brad. I think you're just being harsh on them. <laughs> um, 
but they've got they've actually got you can see sprouts there you know i think next year they've got some young young people coming through that um that look like good ins like the junior Amone that i was speaking about last week looks like a good talent but um, again, this game I was watching with my uh, Warriors glasses on and the implications on, on us, um, which I did for most of these with it, with us being such a late game in the week. And, you know, they were hanging in there for a while and I was getting a bit worried, but then when Tedesco decides he wants to pile it on, he piles it on. He's been magnificent this year. I don't – I think um, – a lot of what the Roosters are doing right now, they can they can thank Teddy for because it seems like the whole roster's been crumbling around him and he's just held them together and just keeps delivering tries, try assists, a bunch of meters, line break assists. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think I think he's done a magnificent job of holding them together given what's happened with their roster this year. And and you have to say right now, looking at how they're traveling, they they deserve to be in that top four more than Parramatta. Oh, 100%, yeah. Um, I Again, I put them in that category where I don't think they're going to go deep in the playoffs just due to the amount of injuries they have. But, yeah, 100%, they, they need to be above Parramatta, um, especially with the adversity they've faced. I know they have the biggest salary cap on the planet and they can basically buy anyone that they want, um, <laughs> but they've lost a lot of those guys that they are paying under the table. So... Oh, you don't want to say karma. Karma's hidden in there. But, um, yeah, they, they can still buy the entire Warriors roster with what they've got left in the cap. And um, they'll they'll come back once they've got all their players. They'll, they'll continue to be what they always are, which is a competitive title mm. contender. Um, I don't see it happening this year just due to those injuries. But, yeah, I think they've done fantastic with what they've had to do this year. Um, but that will take us to the last game, the game we've been trying to avoid talking about. But um, we may as well. The only game I got wrong this week in my picks with the Broncos defeating the Warriors 24-22. So it was and your winning, fault. That was my fault. Um, you picked them too. So um, the streak's <laughs> over, and I know we've all pulled out the whiteboards and the abacuses and our, our charts, and the Warriors can still make the eight. But personally, I already said I didn't think they were going to make the eight. Um, but I'm sticking a fork in it because I just don't see it happening. There's too much relying on um, some teams that I don't think uh, I'm confident enough in getting wins that we need them to. Um, if it happens, I will be very happy, but I just don't see it. Um, before I waffle on about this this performance, what did you think of the game? Uh, before I go on to the game, I want to agree with you completely, Brad. I... Um... I was almost at this point already, but I think from with the rest of the games, I, um, I'm going to take anything as a bonus if we get anywhere near the eight and all the stars align, and um, I'll take that as a bonus. But I honestly don't believe that we deserve to make the eight, given the amount of close losses we've had this year to teams we probably should be beating, and and probably on our best day we would, but you know through um, bad luck and injuries and suspensions. It just hasn't happened. So, And dropping yeah. games, close games to the Cowboys and one-point games against Manly and losing to the Knights, I think, twice. Tigers. In close games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the Sharks, dropping in a game against the Sharks, which we should have won. So, you know, you could rattle off at least a half dozen just off the top of your head, yeah. which would have had us very competitive in the in the top 
six probably. Uh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Onto the yeah, game. Exactly. Um, yeah, tough one to swallow. I thought we were competitive, and it shows because we outscored them five tries to four. Um, just goal kicking let us down a wee bit. Um, but I thought Brisbane were good value for their win, despite you know being outscored in the try department. I thought uh, they played really well. I th- I got to give a lot of credit to Payne Haas, who had a big game rumbling up the middle, and we had a real hard time containing him. And Milf- I think I was texting you during the game, and it looked like Milford's probably having his – he's chosen to have his best game in about five years against us <laughs> when our season's on yeah. the line. And he was yeah. in everything. Um, um, I think with the, the Milford thing, I think all the pressure's off. He's yeah. leaving. Um, Broncos are – no one's expecting the Broncos to do well. So there is literally no pressure on Milford anymore. Um, and it's just letting him enjoy his football again, which yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's great to see, but I would have liked it to be a week later than it was. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think both teams were very lucky at times in this game. Uh, I think Albert Kelly's try was just a fluke, lucky bounce. Yeah, that it went time. the right way. Um, the Warriors were lucky that um, Henry Perinara was in the bunker and gave Ewan Aiken his try because I didn't see it as a try myself. I no, thought I saw Coates hand. Um, so I think the Warriors were lucky there. But there were also times for both teams. I, I thought the refing and the bunker were poor in this game. Yep. Uh, I thought the commentators were poor as well. I was getting very frustrated at the start where they couldn't tell the difference between Reese Walsh and Chanel Harris-DeVita. Um, that's got nothing to do with the game, but just um, the, these guys get paid to commentate on the game. They should at least know who's playing. Um, admittedly, they do look very similar at the moment. Um, that's lockdown haircuts for you. But, um, yeah. yeah, I thought, yeah, I I was worried about this game with how good Broncos played against Roosters last week. So yeah. I was always They're looking nervous. a lot better, aren't they? They've improved yeah. a heck of a lot from the start of the year. They have. Um, and they're... Even if if they're losing, they're troubling some good teams at the moment. Like they they took the Roosters to the wire and probably should have beat them if not for some contentious refing. Um, so I was worried too. Um, yeah, and it and it went goes to show. I don't want to put anything on Reese Walsh too, uh, missing kicks. Um, right. If anything, I'm I was about, super. Inc- I'm about to start. I'm about to start. All right, well, let me let me get my piece in then because I I don't want to put anything on him. I think I actually like it that a, a young man that age, 19 years old, wants those moments and wants to be kicking for games and wants the ball 40 metres out with the game on the line to try and put a field goal through. So I think he'll learn from that and it'll actually improve him. Um, and I just want to give a massive rap to Peter Hiku because uh, – I think he was probably our best, and he was a storm. He had a stormer, and you know, he he scored a try and and set up a beautiful try as well. And it's just a shame we're seeing him depart at the end of the year. So, so when you say Reese will learn, that means he'll learn to give the ball to somebody else when it's that far out. Well, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of people on social media saying, you know, we should have given it to Chanel Harris Tavia, we should have given it to Chad Townsend, or other people who have shown they can goal kick, but. Um, prior to that, this game, Reese Walsh has been kicking at a quite a high percentage, and, and I just think it wasn't his day, you know, and that happens in sports. So I don't want to put yeah. too much on him. 
Yeah, so now that you've finished sucking up to him, he doesn't watch the show, so there's no point uh, doing these. These, um, yeah, he was one from five. It was a shocking night, but like yeah. I'm actually, um, as much as I was pretending that I was about to rip into the poor kid, I actually 100 agree with you. Um, mm. I do question like why Nathan Brown didn't say let let's try someone else because it's obviously an off, an off night. Um, I don't know if that was he didn't want to knock the kid's confidence. Or if he was saying, no, I can do this. Um, just for the fact that the season was potentially on the line um, in that aspect, like, it's it's great that he... But still, stats-wise, he's still the best goal kicker in the team. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't put money on Chad Townsend nailing it from the sideline. When you think at the Sharks, Sean was doing all the conversions, basically. Yep. And Chanel is like a 70 to low 80% kicker. Um at the best of times, especially on the sideline. Um, it's not like Reese was shanking them all from in front. Um, and then with the the time running out, trying to go for the, the two-point field goal to tie the game up, and it wasn't far off um, either, mm. unfortunately. So um, it is something he will learn from. Um, and he, he just seems to be a kid that just keeps plugging away and wants to do what he can to... Um, help the team win um it will be interesting to what happens when sean's there with the dynamic on who's going to be the one calling for the ball in those winning situations if it's going to be sean or if it's gonna they're gonna let reese or if they're gonna combine and let them both i think if they both can be that one that goes to at that time it helps you when a team's trying to defend they don't know which guys going to go and try to screw their night over by getting the the match winner um but yeah overall it was it was disappointing i think afb and infernal blake was a monster up the middle just like penhouse was for the broncos and if matt lodge was playing the warriors win this game i think if we had them both out there they would have done enough um positive note for us is that matt lodge is back this week but yeah don't want to harp on too much about it it was very disappointing um but I will say that with the way the Broncos played, um, they could throw spanners in the works in the top eight because they could very easily win the next two games they've got. Much yeah. like the Warriors could win the next two games they've got as well. Not saying that means Warriors are making the eight or anything like that. But I think if both teams play like they did in this game and compete and um, Broncos stay on the winning side and the Warriors get over that hump and get the wins... Um, it could really make a jumble of that ladder, which will make it interesting, um, which I suppose segues right into looking at the ladder now, Paul. So our picks, um, I got one game wrong. I got the Warriors-Broncos game wrong. And Richie, you got two wrong. You got the Rabbitohs-Panthers and the Warriors-Broncos. So I am sitting ahead now by two at 132 out of 176, and you're on 130 out of 176. And we've got three games different this week, which will make things interesting because I think you might be on the money with some of your picks, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, looking at the ladder there, it's basically carbon copy, um, bar a few switches. We've got Melbourne Penrith still at the top. Rapidos and now the Roosters finishing out that top four. Manly at fifth. Parramatta sliding down to six. Newcastle at seven. And then that four-point gap between them and Cronulla at eight. Then you've got um, basically the only two teams I think that have a shot now are the Titans and the Raiders. 
um, depending how they go. They both have to play the Warriors, and I think the Warriors are going to beat both of them. So um, that will be interesting. Um, and then you've got the Warriors sitting at 11th, Dragons all the way down to 12th now. When you think it, it doesn't feel that long ago that the Dragons were a top 14, um, and now they're yeah. down to 12th. Um, Tigers, um, even though they had that loss, they sit at 13. Broncos um, getting away from that wooden spoon as best as they can at 14 with the Cowboys and Bulldogs sitting 15th, 16th. Unfortunately for um, the Bulldogs, um, the Cowboys did enough early in the season, so the Bulldogs can't leapfrog them um, and get off that wooden spoon. So it is theirs once again. But, um, yeah, that's it for the latter. And, um, yeah, be interesting. There's some games that will switch that around. But um, any questions from the audience, Paul? Yeah, someone had one earlier. Um, he said, when you were speaking of rubbish journalism, um, have you guys had a look at the NRL's website? They actually have some very good shows on their website promoting the game. Um, it's a sort of, what, have you guys looked at those? And uh, what do you think about the NRL kind of uh, um, skipping the middleman and owning the narrative? I Yeah, I'm a fan of it. Unfortunately, a lot of the time they put up the same stuff. Um, I think they even had an article about the Broncos wanting to bring Reese Walsh back. So they yeah. kind of dig into it too. Um, and all the dramas with Adam Elliott, um, Josh Dugan, and um, Curtis Scott, all the information I got from that was from the NRL's website. So um, I'll give them credit there that they're not shying away from the negative stuff um, instead of just saying, we're going to hide that it never happens. Um, they are at least owning it at their part. But, yeah, they're not as clickbaity. They they don't what, what, do what a about headline. Kind of, what about that kind of show the video stuff rather than necessarily the articles? Um, the video stuff's really good. I try to not watch it before our show because I don't want to just copy what they're saying. Um, yep. So I generally watch it later in the week and then go, oh, I should have said these things. And it would have made it look <laughs> like I know what I'm talking about. But um, I watch a lot of their shows um, when I can. I, I subscribe to them on YouTube, so I put them on and I, I'll watch them at work instead of working um, because, yeah, work, work knows what comes first. Um, it's still league. Um, but, yeah, they, they've got – it's those – because they've got players that have played um, mm. that, that have a good insight. Um, as long as it's not Braith and Asta, I won't watch Braith. I know there might be some people here that love him, but I think he's – we'll put the thug life out. I think he's a moron, but um, um, I I don't – I listen to some of the things he says on commentary and on these things, and it's it doesn't seem like it's that smart. And there's players like Cooper Cronk that rub me the wrong way at the moment too. Um, but they do have a lot of very knowledgeable guys there that explain – to us as fans that haven't been there that we have our opinions as we say on our show but they have actually been out there some of them playing with the guys they're talking about and um yeah <laughs> um yeah that, that's right Simon um yeah so there, there's a lot of them that have drinking problems on there um and it sounded like I think uh, I don't know what your opinion of the commentary was um richie but we had like freddie fitler sounded like he'd had a couple before he commentated our game <laughs> but um 
yeah, there, there, yeah. there's the, 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 the kind of what the, the comment from Simon without typos about the yeah, about the nine and Fox presenters not been the not been the uh, most cyber. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, they they have some good good um, good insights, which I think is always good um, for learning about the insights. Um, as someone who hasn't played NRL, I I don't know the ins and outs. Um, I can just pretend. Um, but yeah, it, it's very good, and um, yeah, I I actually give them credit for not shying away from the bad press stuff, actually getting out there, and uh, it is kind of you can kind of control your narrative before you let the the rumor mills blow something out of proportion, when it might not be as bad as what um, the Sydney um, Morning Herald are portraying it as, and things mm. like that. So um, if you can control the narrative and get out on the front foot. Um, you can probably squash some of the things. Um, and so I was just said there was a good video this week about the potential expansion teams in Brisbane and which team have the best case. Yeah, it's things like that because they understand, some of them understand the business side of things as well. So um, I did watch that one and it was quite a um, an interesting listen on things that happened. But there was a thing, I forgot to mention it earlier, one of the criteria the NRL have for this team in Brisbane is how are they going to lure new fans to the sport? And if that is what you want to do, I don't get why they aren't taking the team to a place like Perth where you're not in Brisbane. You're not really going to get the new people. Um, you're just going to get the people that have given up on that hopeless team called the Broncos. Um, where a place like Perth, uh, New Zealand, um, New Zealand. I, I put more on the thing. It's just people that have given up on that useless team called the Warriors and moving to a new team. Um, but like those new markets, where that is where you can get new viewers. So I don't understand that question in their interview process as such. Um, and yeah, Simon's got the real reason. Um, if you want to click that up. So the real reason is that AFL is investing a lot. So they're, they're trying to fight with the AFL there. They're, AFL are moving into their territory. So by expanding the team numbers there, they can hopefully squash that out. Um, time will tell. It will only work if the new Brisbane team is successful. If the new Brisbane team comes in and they don't compete in the NRL, people aren't going to be interested. That's, that's yeah, a weird one. At the end of the day, you've got to learn how how you, you don't just get new fans by putting up new teams, right? Can it can, yeah. can help? But um, go away and look at your marketing and understand what other uh, sports, such as Formula One, which has suddenly expanded its um, uh, young generational or, or, or young younger generation people who are watching it. Um, they've they've gone away. They've researched what those people what those people like, and they're producing that kind of content. That's what they need to yeah. do. That's how you get your new new fans, not just by putting a new team together but yeah that, that, those are the only questions from the uh, from the live chat cool um well you've got a pretty picture richie so we may as well go with your one first um if paul's got the the picture ready for when you answer it um you asked me last week about my forward lineup for the warriors in 2022 i'm flipping the script on you and asking you about the backs um who would your backline be for the warriors next season all right. So again, Brad, I appreciate you giving it to me ahead of time. So I had a, had a bit of time to mull over it. Um, but in the end, it, it didn't take a lot of thought for me. I think a lot of the positions picked themselves. Um, so 
At fullback, I obviously want Reese Walsh, and there it is. One wing, Wateni Zelezniak, and, you know, we've spent money on him, and so far he's been doing a pretty, pretty good job um, in my books. Montoya, I think he deserves to stay. He's been really consistent and really good and, and uh, you know, runs hard, catches the high balls, um, just always seems to be doing the little things correctly. Um, I think he deserves to stay there. Um, the centres, this will interest Brad because I know he's not a fan of Pompey and, and the centres. I um, know he views him more of a winger, but with Hiku going, and I think he showed um, in the past couple of weeks he's, he's he can actually set up a winger if he decides to pass. So, you know, a bit more work in that department. I think he'll, he'll actually be a decent centre to start off next year. Um, and I've made it no secret before. I'm a fan of Rocco Berry and, and I think he's a huge prospect for the, for the future. He's a big lad. Um, seems to have all the ball skills you want in a center. So, you know, I really want to see him getting a good run next year. And my halves, I'm looking at Harris Tavita and Sean Johnson. I think Harris Tavita, since coming back from injuries, looked really, you know, he's looked sound. Um, and I think with Sean Johnson there next year, it'll, give him a lot of confidence just to, you know, uh, just do his role rather than worry about, you know, I think SJ will take a lot of the a lot of the kicking duties and, and Sean Johnson's short kicking game's come a long way since he's gone to the Sharks and he he's really good now nowadays at forcing set restarts as he showed against us when he last played against us. And his last tackle options are really good. Um, he's almost changed from a from a dangerous running half into a um, into a really quality organizer. So I think next year that's the team I'm – that's the back line I'm looking at running. Um, with Sean Johnson back, I'd, I'd really like to have a look at Fusatua too if he, if he comes back next year and is looking – is, um, you know, looking in good shape. I think he has an, an existing partnership with Sean Johnson, so – yeah. Um, but I think those two wingers there, off based off what was seen on them later later in the season, I think those two would be my two to start off on the wings next year. It's their spots to lose. What do you think, Brad? Rubbish, rubbish. Simon agrees with you. He says that's not a bad team. Um, I'm going to be careful here because I'm still trying to find out if it's actually him, but Adam Pompey followed me on Instagram today. But I'm trying to find out if it, it looks like it's actually him. Um, so watch what you say about him, Brad. So I'm going to watch what I say, but he's rubbish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think he's very good. He just needs to learn how to pass. If he can bring a passing game, I'm perfectly fine having him at mm. centre. Um, Rocco Berry is a, a shoe-in for me. I basically yeah. have that whole team. It's just like you said, Fusatua, I feel, will make his way back in. Yeah. Um, that combination with Sean Johnson. But where he goes, um, I don't like him at centre. So, well, I would, we, I'd be the one. I would, I would either have we have Aiken. Toya, yeah, we do have Aiken. Aiken's a second rower though, so that's he, what I think too. Staying. Which is why um, I put Pompey there. So I'd have Pompey slash Montoya there, possibly with Fuss on the wing, depending on how yeah. Fuss is. But um, if the Warriors announced that team that you've got there. I wouldn't be complaining until after the game when Pompey doesn't pass the ball and um, well, costs um, us a game. 
Montoya does cover center really well, and that would allow Fusatua in there. But I just really like what Montoya's been doing on the wing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. So, yeah, and, and Aiken yeah. could Aiken could go center, but I really like what he's been doing second row, and I think you know I'd like to see more of it. Yeah, and Pompey, if it is you that actually followed me and you are watching this, I will be back in your good books as long as you learn how to pass. You did it in the game against the Broncos. You did a pass that led to a try. You just did. do it a couple more times. Um, just one or two. Um, we don't need another Solomon Carter. Solomon asking. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for my TED Talk. Um, we may as well go into your question now um, for me. Sure. So... We reserved a bit of chat for um, David Fafida. So in my estimation, you know, watching him this year, Titans bought him on big money. It looks like maybe he's been worth that money in about a quarter of the games so far this season. That's my view. So I want your view, Brad. Um, do you think he's been worth the big money from the Titans so far? Will he be a good investment? in the long run, you know, or, or is it a case of that's huge money for a guy out on the edge and, and he's relying on a lot on other people to get him the ball. What are your thoughts? I, massive waste of money. I, again, as I've shown so much on this show, since we started it back in the day, Paul, um, I don't know much. And I rubbished the Broncos when they prioritized signing paid Haas instead of David Feeder saying they were idiots for letting David Feeder go. Um, I think they have shown um, they've let a lot of good players go, but I think they picked the right one to keep out of those two. Um, yeah. They were never going to do both. Payne Haas, I think, is a lot more value for money. And um, the Titans, I think, should be asking for some money back from David. I think he's really not lived up to it. He essentially He's playing in moments, as you said. I think realistically, if you're taking your eyes off what you're getting delivered, He's like a five six hundred a year player, which is still a lot of money, but he's not a million dollar player. We've been talking past couple of weeks on what is a million dollar player, and you're looking at Tommy Turbo, Nathan Cleary, David Fafita is not delivering for the Titans what Cleary and Tommy Turbo are delivering for their teams. Um, so I don't know what he needs to change in his game to get him to that level to make him worth what he's getting paid. But he, it's consistency. He needs to, you know, Cleary and Tommy Turbo, like everyone talked about the Manly Seagulls versus Melbourne game, how Melbourne kept Tommy Turbo contained and they shut him out of the game. He still set up three tries and ran for like a hundred meters. He still had what he would class as a great game, but that in Melbourne's eyes was shutting him down. Um, David Fafita, when you shut him down, he doesn't, you don't even know he's there. Um, it's just a contrast and, um, he really needs to deliver. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a result-based, um, economy, the NRL. Um, you get this million dollars now when your next contract's up, if you haven't delivered, you're not getting paid that again. Look at Sean Johnson. Um, Sean Johnson was like that million dollar a year player. He's getting paid almost effectively minimum wage in the NRL um, to come back to New Zealand. Um, and uh, Ash Taylor was a million a year player. And now there's rumors that he's not even going to get picked up. And if he does, it's going to be for 200K. And that's only because, um, again, the Titans overpaid him 
for what he's actually worth to make sure he stayed. And he hasn't lived up to that price tag, which is why he's not getting it. Um, mm. It'll be much like the Reese Walsh situation. When he comes off contract, um, we're going to see what he's worth for what people are going to pay him. I think most teams are going to pay him overs to try to steal him away. But he is that kind of player that can probably live up to that price tag. So that's like a 20-minute conversation to say no. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I think that some of the key things that you, you brought up there, Brad, when you're comparing him to some of the other players that command that money, they're players that get their hands on the ball a lot. Um, hmm. you Nathan Cleary's who touched the ball every set, multiple times every set throughout the game, and they're controlling the outcome of the game um, through their influence. Um, David Feet is just not that sort of guy, and he's he's an edge forward. That's why I think that yeah. that kind of money for an edge forward is, is really strange because he is reliant on some of those halves and playmakers putting them into into the right spots. And, and I think he'll look like he's worth a million dollars when he comes up against bottom four teams. But you throw him up against the top four team and look what he produces. Yeah, yeah you want your million dollar a year player to make you competitive against the Melbournes, the the Penrith, yeah. um, not just look substandard against them, which is admittedly that's what he looks like at the moment. And um, yeah, he's on the edge, which limits him getting the ball all the time. But if I've got David Feeder in my team, I'd be making sure I get him the bloody ball. Um, yeah. It's like you see with the Warriors, they always make sure that Adam Fanua Black gets the ball. Um, it's a it's still it's a middle forward, so it's a bit more you want him to start it. But um, you think of the like Kakao with um, with um, the Penrith it's, team, yeah. they're always making sure that he's getting the ball um, and things like that. So you got to if you're paying all that money and you've got a guy that can score great tries carrying half a team on his back give him the ball um, and then ask him why he's not asking for the ball. Um, yeah. Good point. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, that was a great question that I, I mumbled over. So um, thank you. And thank you for putting effort into your question or your answer, I should say. And um, we'll get into our round 24 picks. Um, we It looks like looking at the time, we're going to have to bypass Super League again because we're going deep. <laughs> Um, as we seem to do. Um, it is still happening. I'll, I'll quickly run over some of the, the news there because there was some interesting news this week. But Thursday, we've got the Knights versus the Titans. I've gone with the Titans um, because, yeah, I, I know the Knights look good, but I think the Titans will really want to push for that top eight spot, so I, I'm going with them. Uh, yeah, Brad, I think you'll find a lot of my picks this week are going to be trying to peg you back. Uh, that's the uh, the competitive bastard in me. Uh, I don't want to go down um, without without a fight. So I've gone the opposite of you here. I went the Knights. It's a toss yeah. of the coin game, but I picked the opposite of you. Yeah, I must say in your defense um, that I'm looking at your picks here, the three picks that we have different, I can see you getting right just as much as I can see me getting right. Um, so it's nothing too silly except for the next one, which is the Warriors versus Raiders. I've gone with the Warriors and you've gone with the Raiders. Can you explain why? Yeah, you, I, I want to go with the Warriors. You trade I, actually, I actually think the Warriors have a better chance in this game than, than the Raiders. I <laughs> I feel like it's 60-40 in our favour, especially getting Matt Lodge back. I just, yeah. I, I really want to beat you in the tips, so 
I win yeah, Raiders. It all, um, it's going to be interesting because the Warriors have shown that they're slow starters. Yeah. But they they turn it up in the second half, and the Raiders are good starters, and they fade in the second half. So it's a real interesting mix. Um, so, yeah, either team, um, I think, could come out of this. But, yeah, I'm going with the Lodge factor. I think they're going to get the edge in the forwards. And um, hopefully I get that one right compared to you, not just for my tips, but as a Warriors fan. Yeah, I'll take um, that one. The, the next game we, we've both agreed on, which is the Roosters-Rabbitohs. Um, I've picked the Rabbitohs here. Um, just think the Roosters have looked good, but I think the Raiders, uh, the Raiders, the Rabbitohs will be looking to um, make a statement after their defeat last week. Yeah, I can see the Rabbitohs getting this one done. Um They'll feel a bit hard done by after the weekend just gone. Roosters, as good as they've been, they they picked up more injuries again on the weekend. So yeah. um, I think you've got one guy in Tedesco playing out of his skin, but with the Rabbitohs, you've got a number of guys, like first-choice guys that are really performing. So I, I think yeah. the Rabbitohs will get that one. And, yeah, Simon said he, he can see the Raiders beating the Warriors but can't see them beating the Roosters. I'm not taking that on board because you're a Raiders fan and you're being biased here. Um, as a Warriors fan, I see no other option but the Warriors winning that one. Um, but, yeah, it's um, the Roosters. Yeah, I don't see the Raiders beating the Roosters next week as a spoiler for my pick for next week. Um, first game on Saturday, we've got Dragons-Cowboys. I've gone with the Dragons as much as it hurts me to do so. Uh, but I think the Cowboys, as I said about the review, um, losing's habit-forming, and I don't see them... I don't pick them winning another game this year. I agree. I think they've been really poor. Um, both of these teams haven't been setting the world on fire lately, but I learnt my lesson a couple of weeks ago tipping the Cowboys to beat West Tigers. So... Um, I'm not going to tip them again for the rest of the year, so I've gone Dragons. And um, then the next game, which is the the last game we have different, we've got the Sharks-Broncos. I've gone with the Sharks. Um, I liked what I saw out of the Sharks. It was a bit scratchy, um, and I think I think the Broncos, as Masha just said, they could upset both teams they got left. They might have got the last bit of oomph of performing well out against the Warriors. So that's what I'm I'm betting on here. Um, but you, you've gone the other way. So why do you think the Broncos are going to win? Well, I think last time these two teams played, the Broncos really put it up them as well. And um, I think the Broncos don't mind playing the Sharks. Um, I think they really want to play spoilers right now. And, yeah, again, I've gone the opposite way that you did, mate. I <laughs> I think any any game this week I've seen a chance um, to go against you that might come off. I've, I've gone that way, so um, let's go well, Broncos. Yeah. yeah, I think, as again, those three games are a flip of the coin because it yeah. depends what team shows up. But the last three games I think are quite easy to pick. We've got Melbourne versus Parramatta. I think Melbourne will wipe the floor with them. Yeah, I think so. On form, they look a different league right now to yeah. to the to the Eels. And then the first game on Sunday, we got Manly versus Bulldogs again. Um, it will be a, a drubbing, it will, uh, a, a smashing. Um, it will be scary to watch, I think, because Manly are just at another level compared to the Wooden Spoon team. Mm. And it was last time these two teams played too. So, uh, yeah. Different planets, these two sides right now. Um, yeah. By how much? Yeah. 
that's all. Yeah. That's all. I think it'll be a, by a lot too. By a lot, yeah. And then that gives us the last game, which is the Panthers versus Tigers. And I think, rinse and repeat of what we just said about the last two games. I think Tigers didn't look great um, last week, and I think the Panthers are going to um, really enjoy um, having a team this low on the ladder to face and will probably um, put a 40-50 on them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, look look like uh, different planets in terms of class, and I think the Panthers will easily win the battle of the big cats in this one. Yeah, and um, before we move on, Simon's picks. We've got um, Simon picked the Titans by four. Warriors and Raiders, he's nailed as a draw. Um, Rabbitohs by four. Dragons by four. Sharks by four. Storm by 14. Seagulls by 20. And Panthers by 24. So he's got a little bit more faith in those little teams than we do. And a bold call with the draw. Um, It'll be, yeah. Um, I don't know if my heart could take a draw. Not a bad um, call. Not a bad call. Not, I see that being not a, a bad close call. game. Uh, that um, goes to Golden Point. Do you see Reese Walsh slipping back into the pocket to redeem himself from last week? He will, and then all those poor, those horrible people that have been ripping them to shreds will will be kissing the ground he walks on again. Um, as the joys <laughs> of being a uh, Warriors fan can be. Um, so yeah, that's our picks. So we got three games different: um, the Knights, Titans. Warriors, Raiders, and Sharks, Broncos. So um, if you nail all three, you um, get get ahead again. Um, I feel that you're going to get two of them right, and we're going to be drawn up again with one round to go. Um, Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> but you do have a chance of redemption because when the finals start, we start our tips from scratch again. Um, so you will have a chance of coming back there potentially. Um, nice. But, yeah, I, I won't go over the Super League results. Um, but there was some interesting news, so I'll just cover that before we sign off because, yeah, we're gone an hour and a half. Um, so Warrington and Catalan's game this week was postponed due to COVID. Um, seems to be the story I say every week. But um, four members of the Catalan staff actually tested positive. So um, that game was um, postponed. And um, kind of on the side of that, um, Castleford, Huddersfield and Salford have all been fined by the UK Rugby Football League for breaching operational rules. Um, this was due to the clubs, I've got it here, failing to fulfil league matches this season and breaking COVID protocols. The fines, they had individual um, fines for each thing, but I kind of rounded them up. Each team's basically been fined between eighty and £100,000 um, for, for it, which... Um, it's sad to see, but it's mm. meant to happen. Um, Catalans are still well ahead of everyone on the table with 32 points. And Lee, as Simon's um, put on here, um, Lee got their first win of the season. They defeated Salford. Um, so it, it kind of sucks that they, they had to wait to almost the end of the year. Um, but they got a win, finally. Um And, um, yeah, that was really all I had. I was going to go over... Um, the results, but um, it's interesting. The next two rounds, um, we've got everyone playing on the 25th and the 26th for round 21, and then round 22 actually starts four days later on the 30th. So there will actually be two rounds um, before we are next on. Um, hopefully, um, we actually get some time. Uh, if Richard shows up on time next week and um, we can start a bit early, we might actually be able to cover some of those games too. 
So um, apologies to those of you out there that like watching the Super League that we haven't had as much um, time to talk about, but hopefully we'll get some of that. With playoffs coming up with less games happening, we'll get more time for that too, um, which will be good. But anything else you want to add, Richie, before we go? Oh, no. As always, thanks, Brad, for being your wonderful chatty self and filling the void when I was experiencing technical difficulties. Thanks for the commenters throwing um, throwing your knowledge in. Love it. Um, keep it up and hope to see you guys next week. Definitely. And um, thank you, Paul, for jumping in at the start when Richard um, was late. And um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in tonight and join us on standoff with brad and richie for your weekly update on rugby league tune into our show next week at 8 p.m here on facebook at your convenience on iHeartRadio. just remember to search for new zealand sport radio and thank you and good night cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.